It's Tuesday, May 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Rule Breakers and Supernova, David Kretzman and Aaron Bush. Thanks for being here, guys. Good to be here. Uh, gosh, who's who's working on the services if you're in here? If you're, like, I don't they, know what's happening. It's chaos out there. Yeah. <laughs> let's get through this as quickly as possible. Hurry up. Um, we are going to make a rare um, delving into state politics, and that will be explanatory, uh, self-explanatory in a moment. Um, we're going to dip into the full mailbag, but let's start with the deal of the day, and that is Verizon buying AOL for $50 a share. This is an all-cash deal worth about $4.4 billion. Uh, Tim Armstrong, who's the CEO at AOL, is uh, still going to be the CEO. AOL will be a wholly-owned subsidiary. And uh, we were talking about this earlier, David. I'll just start with you. I look at this deal, and honestly, the w- once I saw the numbers involved, one of my first thoughts was, I think Verizon's bored. I think this is the business equivalent of it's late at night. You're not. There's nothing really good on TV you want to watch, and you just you go to the cupboard and you're like, ah, maybe I'll eat something. I'm not really hungry, but I'm just kind of bored, so I'll just eat. That's what this deal seems like to me. A midnight decision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it seems, you know, I, I I don't mean to be that dismissive of a deal worth four and a half billion dollars, but if you're a Verizon shareholder, how excited are you about this deal? And we'll get to the AOL people in a minute. I know they're excited, but mm-hmm. but let's focus on Verizon first. Well, I think looking bigger picture, Verizon, uh, they're trying to evolve their business with <laughs> where the world is going. So something that uh, Verizon has been focusing on is the over-the-top video strategy. So that's essentially video and TV moving online, moving to the internet and to mobile. Uh, and AOL has has a presence there uh, with, with digital video. They also have a digital advertising platform, which I think is probably the main thing that's attracting Verizon to AOL. But then you also have to keep in mind, Verizon, this is a company that's producing about $15 billion a year in free cash flow. So, this isn't necessarily going to be a make-or-break acquisition for them. And they actually got AOL for a decent price at about 12 times free cash flow. So, it's not it's not a crazy valuation. Uh, they get some valuable uh, like digital and video assets from AOL. So, you know, it's not not a huge acquisition compared to the size that Verizon is already at, but uh, it'll it'll be interesting. But I'm not I'm not you know dumping on on this move yet. I I, I could see some potential here for uh, some benefits for Verizon. Yeah, Aaron. I mean, yesterday we talked about uh, Noble Energy buying Rosetta Resources, and Noble Energy stock took a little bit of a hit there. And I you know I think it's fair to interpret that as people saying, well, you paid a little too much. It does seem, though, that you know, to David's point, for whatever you think of this deal, Verizon stock last time I checked was down about half a percent. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a wash. I don't think any, I don't think anyone thinks they overpaid for AOL. Yeah. So AOL has about 120 million dollars in earnings, and compared to Verizon, Verizon has about a hundred times more than that. So it's, so it doesn't really move the needle either way. Four billion is a big number, but Verizon is also a really big business. <laughs> It's it's pretty wild to think about the ride that AOL has had 15 years ago. At the conclusion of the 1990s, it was one of the best performing stocks. It was this behemoth, this new media behemoth, and I think it stunned a lot of people when AOL merged with Time Warner. And at the time, and by the way, 
ladies and gentlemen, that was a deal worth $183 billion. So <laughs> it's come down a little since it's then. It's come down a little bit since then. Um, and at the time, it sort of it, it was one of those deals that that once you got over the surprise of it, you could look at it potentially working out. Time Warner had all of this content. AOL was looking for content. You could you could see the and I hate to use this word, but it was thrown around all the time back then. You could see the synergies at play here. Now, if I if I'm understanding you correctly, David, it sounds like it's the reverse for AOL that the ones with the content, or at least the the advertising platform, and that's the reason for the purchase. Yeah, AOL has gone through a heck of a of an evolution, uh, and, and we we have to be sort of thankful for the evolution that AOL has gone through. I mean, this this was a company that really brought the internet to the masses in the early '90s, and that was something. Uh, you know that before then, it just <laughs> if you're a common person, you just couldn't get on the internet very easily. So AOL did a lot of great things, but yeah, the company has been on a roller coaster ride. And today, they're really more of a content company than uh, a company that's you know bringing internet infrastructure to people. Uh, so maybe Verizon just really wanted the Huffington Post under their <laughs> their umbrella. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think what's really attractive or appealing uh, to Verizon is uh, that. That digital advertising, that video advertising, because that that'll be a big space when you're looking at online video advertising. And AOL, uh, they they have have a pretty compelling platform there. So Verizon might be looking to scale that out. Roughly half of the 50 states in the United States uh, have, uh, in some way, shape, or form, banned direct-to-consumer auto sales. That number was reduced by one today, as Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, signed into law. House Bill 235, the so-called Tesla Bill, which authorizes a manufacturer or distributor to be licensed as a vehicle dealer if the manufacturer or distributor deals only in electric or non-fossil fuel burning vehicles. Again, we we rarely, if ever, delve into politics, and certainly, certainly not state politics, but I don't know, Aaron. I I look at this and I I just have to believe that not that Maryland is the biggest state in the country, but if you're Arizona or Texas, mm-hmm. you you really have to rethink what you're doing at the state level because it's. I, I, am I wrong to think that more dominoes are going to fall in this direction? No, I think you're right. I think it's simply a matter of being patient. And that's kind of been the story for the past couple of years or so. And it's probably going to be the story for the next two years, next three years, however long it takes. Um, I mean, it's definitely 100% good news for Tesla that Maryland is you know, changing their laws. But I mean, they still have a ways to go, just in terms of regulations. Well, and it's, uh, I couldn't help but notice that I was reading this this statement uh, from the governor's office, and uh, he's signing, I think, nine or, tel- nine or ten bills into law, and all of them have something to do with the economy. And so, it, basically, he and his team are positioning this as, this is a day of signing uh, bills into law that are all focused on economic growth. And I think that, like, I totally understand. We were talking about this before we started taping. I can totally see, you know, auto dealers, traditional auto dealers around the country who have success over time and they have probably donated to the campaigns of local, uh, of of state representatives and state senators, and they're trying to protect their interests. And I, I don't begrudge them that at all. But at the same time, it's like, 
try and explain this to a teenager. You know, try and explain the logic to a you know <laughs> to a teenager where it's just like, wait a minute, I can buy something over the internet in this state, but not that state. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really do feel like this this is sort of the uh, the path forward for for. I, I mean, you guys know Tesla Motors more than I do. To what extent, if any, are they really trying to, you know, ramp up their lobbying game? Because it seems like this is the playbook to position this as, oh, by the way, this is a, a, a way forward on economic growth, and also, if you want to go the environmental route, you know, clearly that's how this bill was written. I think, in a way, Tesla consumers are almost becoming the lobbyists for Tesla because I mean, the company already has a hundred of these service locations around the world, not just in the U.S., but they have a backlog of orders. I think close to twenty thousand uh, orders, you know, for the for the Model S that they haven't delivered yet. So. People more and more are demanding these vehicles, and once Tesla comes out with the Model Three or that mass market, you know, thirty-five thousand dollar vehicle, you're going to have a huge amount of demand. And states that aren't on board and aren't letting Tesla sell, people are just going to go to another state and buy the car. Uh, so the states that that are behind on this and do, you know, do lag behind the rest, uh, they could really uh, <laughs> see their economy dent- dented or uh, other things like that. So I think Tesla. They're in a good position. They're kind of riding a wave. They're getting uh, more and more popular, and as their vehicles become more accessible and more affordable, uh, you're going to see demand continue to rise. Yeah, I totally see the the falling of the dominoes to accelerate, just simply because Tesla is doing good, and that's pretty straightforward. And the laws will definitely catch up. At what point, because it's a it's the proverbial nice problem to have that wow, the demand for what we're making, and you know whether it's Tesla Motors or or any company, the demand for what we are producing is greater than we are able to keep up with. That's a that's a nice problem to have, until it becomes a flat out problem. At mm-hmm. like at what point? Because I, I hear what you're saying about the mass market car. Let's face it, there aren't the number of people who are seriously considering spending seventy five thousand dollars on a vehicle. That is a much smaller number than the number of people who are looking to spend thirty to thirty five thousand dollars. And it, it's not too hard for me to imagine that if they don't really have the capacity to keep up with an overwhelming demand, you know, it's one thing for someone saying, "Well, you know what? I've I've got my Tesla Model S ordered, and it's going to be here in four months, and I can wait until then." But if you're spending half that and you need a car, I could see people saying, "You know what? I'm not waiting six months to get my thirty-five thousand dollars Tesla." No, that, that, that's a good point. That'll be something to watch in the next couple of years. It'll be interesting to see, you know, within the next couple of years, by the time the Model Three, you know, that more affordable vehicle is released, if more states do <laughs> go the pro Tesla route, or at least give Tesla the option to sell vehicles in their state. Uh, but certainly, it could get to the point where there's a lot more pressure on Tesla than the states. But so far, things seem to be falling in Tesla's direction. Radio at fool.com is our email address. Uh, email from Devin Crane right here in Alexandria, Virginia. I noticed in Monday's discussion about self driving cars that a notable name was missing as this company's earnings just came out. I'd love to hear your take on the future of Mobileye. How do you think this company is valued relative to their growth prospects? Uh, we had talked yesterday about the uh, uh, Freightliner coming out with the first self driving semi. Uh, truck, which is really just one one more step towards the rise of the machines, but um, it's coming. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> coming. Um, for those unfamiliar, Aaron, what what is Mobileye? What do they do? 
Sure. So Mobileye really, they produce chips um, and kind of attach it to cameras to help cars see and drive themselves. So really when you look at Mobileye, you got to view their products as really being the brains of the self-driving operation. And then they, they sell that to, you know, the Teslas of the world and other um, car manufacturers. And that's their business. Uh, trades under the ticker MBLY. Uh, to David's question, um, how does this company look um, relative to their growth prospects? <laughs> so that's a tough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, I, and I'm completely unfamiliar with the stock, so I, I don't know. Like, is this a stock that at the moment is pricey? Is this a stock that has a lot of room to run because they haven't been really crushing it lately? The stock is very pricey, and um, the business itself is growing like gangbusters, and that's really the reason why. Um, they've just been taking off and have witnessed incredible growth. But um, just looking at some multiples, right now the company is trading for 65 times sales and <laughs> 158 times free cash flow. So it's, wow. if this is a nosebleed valuation, if you <laughs> like, like beyond anything. Yeah, this is a $10 billion company with $150 million in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Gardner actually he rated the stock on Caps, which you know Caps.fool.com, where people can can rate whether they think a stock will yeah, outperform or underperform. Yeah, that's basically five hundred thumbs up or thumbs down on a stock on right. any given day. So on March nineteenth, so about six weeks ago, David Gardner rated uh, Mobileye, and he said, "I don't often say this, but its valuation makes my eyes bleed." Underperform. So I think that that sums it up. Holy cow! You know what? I mean, talk about burying the lead. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if 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 as accomplished a growth investor as David Gardner is sta- is saying that about a stock, then um, should be a little nervous. I think if you're yeah, looking we're not, to invest we're not, right now, we're not giving personalized advice, but think very, 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 very seriously about waiting for a pullback if you believe in the long term. Growth prospects of Mobileye. When David Gardner says it's overvalued, it's there's a good chance it's overvalued. <laughs> <laughs> David Gretzman, Aaron Bush, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>